This morning, RJ and I have the opportunity to tackle this, uh, this concept of we find love through sharing, or serving, sharing, it's next week, sorry, um, spoiler, alert. spoiler alert, yeah, show up to church next week, it's going to be great too, um, but we have the opportunity, RJ is uh, the student minister here at Sherwood Oaks Christian Church West, and um, as of today, I'm still the youth minister over on the east side, so we'll see what happens. Awesome. <laughs> Good morning. Hopefully we'll still, still be here after a while. Uh, if you don't know me, like John said, my name is RJ. I've got the privilege and the opportunity to help lead the youth here at, at the West Side and hang out with them. Uh, sometimes we talk about Jesus, but we have a good time. Uh, full time, I work as a nurse in the ER here at Bloomington. Um, I've been there for a little over two years now. But my family and I have called Short Oaks home for over 12 years now. So, quick poll, raise your hand if you have lived in or around Bloomington for a year or more. Okay, so most of us. So, I want to dive right in this morning and share a circumstance and, and a situation that I find myself in often, and maybe you can relate to. If you've grown up here or lived around Bloomington for a while, you have realized the large homeless population that we have. We see them on highway exits. Um, we see them downtown walking around on the streets asking for, for food or for money, and, and they've kind of become a part of our culture here. And after a while, if I'm honest, we, we get pretty used to it. We see the same cardboard sign. We wonder if there's a true need behind the one begging. And, and sometimes I've found myself walking downtown, and I'm like, if, if I don't make eye contact, then maybe they won't ask me anything. And working in the ER is not a whole lot different. We see that that population come in, whether they're actually really having a medical concern or they're just trying to get out of the weather. And, and I'll be honest, sometimes I kind of roll my eyes and I'm like, them again. Like Bob's here for the third time today. But as a follower of Christ, I should always have a different perspective when looking at, at these individuals. Maybe... Maybe they are abusing the system. They know we can't turn them away if they check in and say they have a, a medical concern when really they might not. But God tells me a lot of work. He says, RJ, really this is just another opportunity for you to love someone. And so I have to take a step back and, and remind myself of that. I think for the most part, I was raised well. My parents taught me to put others before myself, but a lot of time, times my humanness gets in the way of that. And I have to remind myself of, of why I'm here, to stop thinking about my needs and my wants and remember that it's not always about me. Matthew 25, 34 through 40, I believe it'll be on the screen for you, it says this. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. I think so many times we're presented with opportunities to serve the least of these. And excuse my generalizations this morning, but for the most part, we're blessed. We're privileged to, to live in our Western culture here in America, and we're blessed with all the things that we have. But have we become numb to the needs, the basic needs of others? 
have we shrugged off the call to, to serve the homeless, the orphans, the widows? Because it's too far outside of our comfort zone. I think about Jesus' words in Matthew. He doesn't say, you know, if, if someone has worked hard all day, then maybe they deserve something to eat and drink. He doesn't say if someone deserves clothes, then give them a new shirt. It, it's, you know, are they hungry? Give them something to eat. Are they thirsty? Give them some water. And this is what the Holy Spirit whispers, and sometimes he yells this at me um, when I'm not paying attention. But he says, RJ, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter their social status. It doesn't matter their economic status. That doesn't matter because they were created by God the same that you were created by God. And Jesus died for them the same that he died for you. And so if you have the resources to nourish them, to provide for them, to look after them and care for them, then by all means show them the love of Christ. They may not say thank you, they may not show that they're grateful, but that's not the point. Love and serve them many ways because that's what Christ has already done for you. And sometimes that's hard after you see the same faces time and again. But God put this, this thought in my, my head. He said, you know, RJ, what all those faces that you see, all those people at work, what if that were me? If I imagine the face of Christ on all my patients at the hospital, how would my job change? Would I care for them differently? Would I show them more kindness and compassion if I saw and really took to heart that it's ultimately Christ who I'm serving? A few years ago, I found myself being a part of a <clears throat> church leadership down in Phoenix, Arizona, and we were kind of dealing with some of the same problems. Uh, high homeless population in Phoenix. Um, and as a congregation, we came together and we started having conversations and praying, saying, how do we serve our community? And not just the community that looks like us, smells like us, dress like us, um, you know, it would be, would be eagerly enjoyed if they come into a church service, but how do we interact with a community that's right outside our doors that is homeless, that have massive problems? How do we walk into their life and do something to show Jesus Christ? And so conversations from leadership and all the way down to student ministries, uh, junior, senior high ministry was together, and I don't know who came up with this horrible idea, probably me. Um, I, I looked one day in the room, I'm like, hey, you know what we need to do? We need to get out of our comfort zone. We see these people outside our doors, and we are just numb because that's our backyard. Our backyard has three trees, a dog barking, a fence, and the same guy that sits there. And so we talked about, hey, what if we left Phoenix and we tried to interact and serve the homeless community someplace else. That might jumpstart our heart. That might soften the idea that these are real people with real stories. God's sons and daughters, but since we kind of overlook them because of our numbness, maybe we can move past that if we go someplace else. So, like, hey, you know what? We've got a connection. We've got a ministry partner in L.A. What if we brought a bunch of junior high students to Skid Row? Wouldn't that be a great idea? Yeah, okay. See, there was no other adults in the room, so your laughter didn't help. It didn't hurt at all. So we called our ministry partner and said, hey, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to soften the hearts of our junior high students to break us out of the norm. 
And can we invest? Can we serve the homeless population there? And they're like, of course. And they emailed us this long list of things that we can do. And so we were excited. We started getting students excited. We convinced parents this was a good idea. Um, and we, we loaded up a bunch of 15 passenger vans and we drove from Phoenix to LA. And we spent a long weekend serving the homeless population. And to be honest, some of it was fantastic, but some of it was, was an absolute disaster. Let me tell you the disaster, because that's a funnier story. Um, so one of our assignments, uh, our, our ministry partner said, hey, here's a $10 bill. Here's what we want you to do. Break off, have an adult and a few junior high students, and I want you to find someone that is homeless and have a conversation and buy them a meal. Breakfast, lunch, brunch, whatever. You know what I mean? So they handed us a $10 bill. Uh, myself and my wife was there at the time. Um, uh, she was another adult leader. And these three or four junior high boys that, I kid you not, the vibrato, the, the absolute craziness, the high level of energy, as soon as you start walking around L.A., they just shut down. Big eyes, mouths closed, walking around. So I had these ducklings following me, right? And so we came to a corner. We saw this gentleman sleeping on the sidewalk, and my wife says, hey, go talk to him. And I'm like, mm, okay. And so I sat down on the floor, uh, on, the, on the concrete, and I said, sir, hey, it would, really, it would really make us happy if we can take you out to lunch and just get to know you a little bit. And so he, he stood up after a while. He, he definitely had some challenges in his life, um, and so we took him to McDonald's because, I don't know, what can $10 get you, right? So go to McDonald's, um, and it just literally fell to pieces. Uh, I, not being a part of that uh, culture, didn't know there were rules, right and wrong. So when you bring a homeless person into McDonald's, all the customers start screaming obscenities at him. He starts screaming obscenities at them, pushing and shoving, cops come, he's arrested, and we, that's right, the church group was kicked out of McDonald's. Okay? So let me tell you, it didn't work out. Why? Why did it not work out? Because we basically went to come up with this magnified idea of Christianity, like I'm coming to save, I'm coming to help, I'm coming to serve so we feel good. We wanted to create this um, event to help soften our hearts, but truly we forgot what the important part was, that this was a human being. So we went back to Phoenix and we, um, you know, the team got together and went, well, let's not do that again. How do we, how would we salvage this? And so we rallied the students and said, hey, listen, instead of going to someone and taking them to a place where maybe they feel uncomfortable, unwanted, what we decided to do is build um, bags. We just got a bunch of um, lunch paper bag sacks, and we, we collected water and sunscreen and toothbrush. Sunscreen, it's Phoenix. Here, you probably don't throw that in a bag. But, uh, but all these different things, deodorants, and we gave them out to junior high and high school students and said, hey, listen, go with someone. Don't be alone. Sit down and have a conversation. Don't go anywhere. Just sit. Ask them their name. Ask them their story. Treat them like a human being. Instead of being numb and looking past them or not making eye contact, I'm walking down Kirkwood with all my little kids and all my little ducks behind me, and all of a sudden my six-year-old's like, hey, what's going on over there? And I have that, you know, the, uh, tell her what's happening. And her little heart looks at me, Myra, and is like, well, why don't we do something about it? I don't know. So anyway, um, this whole idea that love, love finds a way when we serve other people, when we give of ourselves, when, when we place, place our priorities less 
for us and more on others, we have the opportunity to affect change. Instead of looking at how can I get something out of it, what can I do to feel good this Christmas time by maybe throwing a buck in the red, red kettle, what can we do? And that's the topic for this morning. Yeah, so as we, we kick off our, our Christmas series, we approach this season, and it's an exciting time. We gather around friends and family and lots of food, but we want to get to the heart behind serving. And how does that connect with Jesus coming to earth? And I think we can ask the question, why, why did he come to us? First John 4.19 says that we love because he first loved us. And this is God's salvation plan. We were a broken and lost, hopeless people. We couldn't go to God. But out of his love for us, he came down to meet with us in the person of Jesus, to love us and to serve us. And in the life of Jesus, not only in his death and his birth, but throughout his life, we see how he served others. He put his needs aside. And going against what was common, what was comfortable, he showed us the importance of serving others out of love. There's a um, few expectations we see in Scripture. I don't know about you guys. You guys have family rules at your house. We've got little kids, and so we have to kind of create some boundaries so that you know they don't hurt, maim, or destroy each other. And some of those boundaries are to, to love one another, right? That sim- sounds simple until you have little kids or teenagers. Good luck. God bless you if you have teenagers in that endeavor. Um, but we've had to put some, some boundaries around this. Is how you treat people. You can't just take something somebody else is playing with, right? I mean, that sounds pretty novice. It's pretty, pretty, pretty elementary, right? You just can't walk up to somebody and say, hey, I know you're enjoying that toy. It's now mine. That's disrespectful. It's being a bully. We don't see example of Christ in that at all. Actually, we see the very opposite. We see Jesus coming to earth in a salvation plan and kind of setting up some expectations for us as believers of Christ. Now, the next few minutes, I'm going to talk about insiders and outsiders. I hope I don't hurt anybody's feelings. There are people in this room that say, you know what? Jesus is a big deal. He is my Savior. He is my Lord, and I'm going to follow after him. I may make mistakes. I may be broken, but he is my Lord. We're an insider to this whole Christian culture, this idea of this Jesus movement. Now, there are some outsiders, too. There, maybe you're in here, and congratulations for being brave enough to show up and, and be spiritually curious. But to ask the question, maybe... I don't believe in Jesus, but man, there's got to be something about it because so many people um, are passionate and have changed lives. So there are some expectations that we see in Scripture uh, when Jesus says, hey, listen, this is how you treat your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is how you treat your fellow uh, insiders or Christians. Uh, I love these verses in Acts 2, 42 to 47. Let me give some backdrop to it. Now, this whole religion, this whole movement of Jesus is brand new. Jesus was just crucified. He was raised from the dead. And then he spent the next 40 days hanging out with about 500 different people, saying, listen, you saw me on the cross. You saw me dead. And this is what God has done to conquer sin and death. I've been resurrected. So this group of people are in Jerusalem, and they're looking around saying, I don't understand anything. There's no Bible. There's no written word. There's no... uh, there's no church buildings, there's no church budgets, there's no uh, youth groups. There wasn't, you know, First Christian Church of Jerusalem back then, right? Youth group, rallying cry. This was just a bunch of people gathered together saying, I don't know much, but Jesus did some things that I have to pay attention to. 
And they started coming together. Now, this was not just Republicans hanging out. This was not just Democrats. These are not just Americans. These were people from all different groups, languages, and backgrounds. And I love what Acts 2, 42 through 42 says about this group of people because they had one thing in common, and that was Jesus. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking the bread, and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers together had everything in common. Oh, okay, we're going to come back to that for a second because that sounds like a miracle in itself. Um, they sold property and possessions to give everyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This was a people group that had no other focus but besides Jesus Christ. And guess what they learned from Jesus? Jesus came to serve and not be served. These people looked at each other and said, listen, you are more important than I am. Because Jesus is our father, because Jesus is our salvation, we don't have to be petty about who I'm voting for, about where I live, about what I drive, about the political climate, about what's happening in our neighborhoods. These people came together and said, listen, we can have this in common. This was in common was the kingdom. It was Jesus Christ. They looked at each other and they got along. They played nice with each other. Isn't that great that our father kind of looks at us as his kids and say, play nice, be kind to each other. When we serve one another, we set Jesus ahead of our own priorities, our own perspectives. They served one another uh, with different preferences. They served one another with resources. They were willing to say, hey, listen, if you need something, let me see what I can do. I love that. I've been a Christian for 20 years, and I have seen story after story of people stepping up and saying, listen, I don't have everything. I don't even have a lot, but I am willing to share my toys so that you can have. I have seen people sacrifice their Christmases so other kids can have Christmas. I've seen people sacrifice their cars, their homes, their property, their investments so that churches, that way families can make it through the next week, the next month. I've seen people in this church, Sherwood Oaks Christian Church, focus on other people's priorities more than themselves. I've seen people serve through that. And what a beautiful picture of honoring Jesus Christ by living out what he kind of told us to do, to serve one another. Uh, life together, no matter, uh, they lived life together no matter their standings in the community, rich or poor, they ate dinner together, they broke bread, they worshiped, they prayed, they read uh, uh, the apostles' teachings. Because of their willingness to place others before themselves, what's the last verse say? I love this. It's the payoff punch. Because they were so willing to live behind someone else to serve other people, what does God do? The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Because of the way they lived life, other people looked at them and said, something is strange here. This Jesus, I might not get it, but he's so important, it has changed an entire community's perspective on how to live. Isn't that fantastic? We honor Christ when we serve others. When we put our own wants behind the needs of someone else, when we go to that uncomfortable spot, when we give of ourselves our time and our talent, when we share with others, we honor and worship Christ. So another aspect of this is believer to non-believer. How do we interact with those around us who are, are not followers of Christ? How, 
How do we share the story of salvation to others without overwhelming them or pushing them away? I don't think there's a, a better example than a story from Jesus himself. Most of us know the story of the Good Samaritan, but I'll paraphrase it here shortly. There's a guy going from Jerusalem to Jericho on the way. He was attacked by robbers, and they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. They left him for dead. Luckily for him, there's a priest who was coming down the road. But when he saw the man, he kind of angled across the street to the other side. And then a Levite religious man came down the road, but he also avoided the injured man. But a Samaritan traveling the road came on him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He bandaged his wounds, put him on his donkey, and led him to an inn and made it comfortable. And I think as the Pharisees listened to Jesus tell this story, I can only imagine their faces and what was going through their mind. You know, how, how could this Samaritan put aside the hatred between cultures and the differences of these two men and care for him? I love what the message version of this story says because it says the first thing that happened when the Samaritan saw the man is that his heart went out to him because that's where serving begins, at the heart. John 13, 34, and 35 says it best. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you. He says, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. A few weeks ago, I was at work, and I had a patient uh, that was going through a gender change, and I have to admit, at first, I felt a little uncomfortable. But after a few minutes of just asking health questions and doing blood work, we just ended up having a conversation, just a normal conversation. And before she went home, she goes, you know, I've, I've been in a lot of hospitals over the past few months, uh, you know, in and out, but for some reason, y'all are different here. She goes, you, you get done what you need to, you're quick and efficient, you don't ask me too many questions. And she said, I won't forget what she said next. She, she asked me, do you treat other patients like this? I kind of paused for a moment. And I could have thrown Jesus in her face. I could have pushed that towards her. But I said, you know, I, I just want to treat every patient the same, the same compassion, the same kindness, no matter what they're here for, no matter what they're being seen for. And I said, someone's actions and decisions don't, make them better or worse than someone else. And she smiled and said, thank you. And then she left. And I think about Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, and it says this. It says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We don't always have to throw Jesus at people, or yell at them and point out their flaws. A lot of times what helps people see Jesus the most is just having a genuine conversation with them, listening to them. Okay, so I know what you're thinking. Oh, good, it's Christmas time. I've got nothing else to do. December is totally free, right? Oh, the church is asking us to serve others, to invest in other people. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I feel like when we look at Scripture, love pursues. And I am so grateful for a God that pursues me. 
even though I'm broken and damaged, I'm so glad that we have a God that pursues us as a church family. There are a few things that we can look at this morning and say, I know, I know it's, it's a busy time, but when we think about serving our community, when we think about serving both people inside and outside of our churches, uh, I'll kind of give you kind of the, the shotgun blast of different ideas, and hopefully something resonates with you, something a little different that maybe is not on your radar. Um, just like the stories we shared this morning, sometimes we become numb to the people around us that truly do need our help, but we just don't see because it's part of everyday life. So here's a few ideas, a few tangible ways to live out the example that Christ gave us by serving uh, the others. Now, number one is the interfaith shelter is in desperate need of volunteers. Um, a part of this uh, community, if you've ever been anywhere, you notice that we have a, a good deal of people that do not know where they're going to sleep at night. And that is terrifying. They are in need of volunteers to set up, to clean, to cook, um, to sit down and have real conversations with real human beings that are as broken as you or I. Just unfortunately, they don't have a place to, to sleep that night. If you want, I can give you Dan Watts' email. I'm sure he would love me passing that out in church. Um, what if you're looking to start right here? We're looking for help uh, serving on the setup team here on Sunday mornings. For crying out loud, I've never been to a church where student ministries or children's ministry would say, no, please don't serve our youth. I've never been a part of that. If you have that desire, if God is using the Holy Spirit to push you into something crazy, maybe junior high boys is for you, right? Right? Um, here's something that's a part of my heart, um, and it's a soapbox, so be prepared. I apologize. I'll try to keep it short. Um, the mufflers have had the opportunity to be a part of the foster care uh, circle for about a year and a half now, and I feel like one of the greatest needs for kids in our community is CASA workers. Anybody know what a CASA worker is? Court, appointed, special advocates. Advocates, there I always forget the A at the end, I apologize. Um, let me tell you what, um, there are bio parents, there are foster parents, there are judges, there are attorneys, there are DCS workers, but do you know who speaks for the voiceless? Do you know who interacts, loves, and speaks for the kids? It's CASA workers. Here, because uh, of the rise of opioids and the, the issues that are, are, we're facing as a community, um, our CASA workers are devastated. There should be about one CASA worker for every one or two uh, different cases. Right now, there's a lot of families that don't have a CASA worker because CASA workers have about five cases, maybe even six cases apiece. And this is training that you and I can get. You do not need to be a great parent. You don't need to be a parent. You don't need to be a lawyer. If you want to speak for the voiceless, if you want to give the opportunity to serve someone who has nothing to give back, these little kids in foster care, I would encourage you, it's an afternoon and an evening uh, of training. It's a few hours a week. And you can change the life of a kid that is absolutely devastated because of whatever is happening in their family. Um, other opportunities. Uh, uh, there are cards, like John said uh, earlier this morning, there are cards that can help you connect with the widows and widowers of our church. And we can do that all year, but Christmas is a special time. And for a lot of us, it's a happy time, but it's also a time to where we, for, we remember those who are not with us anymore. There is a lot of pain because of broken relationships. There's a lot um, of hurt feelings because 
We've lost people and we can't have them back. So this is an opportunity as a church for believers to invest, to love, make cookies, have a conversation. Again, invest in a human being that we value so dearly. If you want to pick up one of those cards, you can. And the last thought I have for you guys is as a church, the last few months, we've been really trying to impress upon us, both staff and congregation, that we need to do everything we can to be influencing people around us. And so we've kind of called that one life. How can we create a friendship that we can influence in a positive way to lead toward a conversation about faith? Not a project, not somebody we look at and say, oh, you need Jesus and I'll fix that. Or somebody that you invest in because you love them. And since they're a child of God, faith comes up. Christmas is a wonderful time to double down on your one life. Can you imagine if you volunteered time with their kids so they could go Christmas shopping? Can you imagine if you helped shovel snow? I know that's not fun. No one likes shoveling snow. But if you serve others, they will see your faith come alive. Not just your church, church attendance. Not just your really cool Christian t-shirt. But your desire to serve puts them ahead of your own priorities. And that shows love of Jesus Christ. So there's a bunch of different ideas, and we've got lots of opportunities in here, but I would encourage you, as we look at this Advent season, the, the coming of love, Jesus served us. He did not wait for us to be perfect to come to him. He became God in flesh, Emmanuel, in a very uncomfortable and painful place. He came to us to serve so that we might find salvation. So that's my challenge for us today. As we look at this busy season, how can we put others' needs ahead of our own. How can we serve others?